Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, how to get the best night of sleep ever, eliminate back pain, shoulder pain, body pain for good with Dr. Sleep Right, Dr. Peter Martone. So when you're curled up in like an ostrich in a little ball and your head's in a little cocoon, you feel protected. So we were never taught to sleep correctly. We would just go to your room and fall asleep, go to your room and fall asleep. And most of us, it was a stressful time. So we fall asleep feeling protected, curled up in a ball. And then my stuffed animals were all on my floor. I remember sometimes I would land on the floor and, and then you just end up wherever you are and you're not in control. Now I can fall asleep because we create this whole kind of process around it. You could put a glass of water on my chest and I wake up and that glass of water will still be on my chest and I do not move all night long. I never wake up in pain and think about all of the structural healing that has occurred because my body has been in this nice restorative position all night long. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much for pressing play today. We bring back Dr. Peter Martone, aka Dr. Sleepright. You may have seen him on Mercola's podcast or Dr. Stephen Gundry's podcast or Ben Greenfield. He is incredible. Or even with Dr. Pompa, which is how I met him through Dr. Pompa. You will hear that story today. He has been on the show before, back in 2021, episode 324. And he's back and he's so much fun. He is brilliant. And here's what we discussed today. The three laws that he follows and uses to achieve optimal health. You'll learn about Wolf's Law, Davis's Law, Writing Reflexes, and how that relates to back pain, shoulder pain, spinal positioning, cervical curve, vagus nerve, digestion, and overall health. I love that he operates by law because he can't argue laws. He'll talk about the problem with having a forward head. Most people do, including myself, because we're on our phone, on the computer, we're looking down, we're not sleeping properly. And he says, every inch forward is about 20 pounds of pressure, extra pressure and weight on the body. And the body has to overcompensate. So that results in lower back pain, shoulder pain, arthritis, and other issues. So how do we overcome that? He developed the neck nest, something that you use at bed. He'll talk about that. There's also a special link and deal for you to get the neck nest. And we sleep on this every night. I do myself over at necknest.com slash ketocamp. We'll talk more about that. He also explains that the average person tosses and turns about 40 times per night, and there are three reasons why. We'll talk about that. 
Then we dive deep into HRV, heart rate variability. I love talking about HRV. We talk about it a lot. I know we do, but I love it. Give me a tip that you're going to hear. And I applied this little easy tip. And even though I do so many things for my HRV, this easy tip actually for the last three nights in a row since I've been applying it, I've seen an increase in my HRV every night. Wait till you hear that tip. And it's so easy and I've never thought about it, but it makes a lot of sense. We'll discuss parasympathetic versus sympathetic and why it's not necessarily that people are stuck in sympathetic dominance. Their parasympathetic branch is kind of broken. Interesting take. We'll talk about that. He'll discuss the best ways to increase HRV, why we are 200% more prone to injuries the first hour in the morning, and so much more. You're going to love Dr. Sleep, right? Before I bring him on, I want to get to today's Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This one is from Fish9584, titled, Great Info for Every Level, Five Stars. This podcast is great for anyone who wants to heal their body through real food and fasting. The information here is easily understood and is useful for everyone from the beginner to the pro. The world needs more people in the business for the right reasons. Thanks. Thank you, Fish. I appreciate that. You're right. We talk about real food, fasting, and we want to bridge the gap between the science and making it practical for you. So I'm glad you see that in us and you show up and listen and you took the time to leave that rating and review. Thank you, Fish. It really helps. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review yet, please do so. It really helps the show grow and change more lives. Without further ado, here is Dr. Sleepright. Dr. Peter Martoni has been passionate about cultivating the healthiest, most empowered community worldwide. As the owner and the director of Atlanta's Chiropractic Wellness Center, he established his practice in 1999 with a clear vision to educate and to empower individuals towards healthy lives, aiming to transform Massachusetts into the healthiest destination globally. Dr. Martoni is renowned for his innovative approaches to well-being, prominently featured on prominent national news networks like CBS, NBC, NECN. His dedication to promoting optimal health led him to co-hosting the enlightening TV show Choices, which aims to equip people with their knowledge to embark on positive lifestyle transformations to overall health and wellness. At the forefront of his groundbreaking work is the Neck Nest, a revolutionary pillow he pioneered to enhance sleep quality by addressing modern-day posture challenges. Here's Dr. Peter Martone. Dr. Peter Martone, welcome back, brother, to the Keto Camp Podcast. Dr. Sleep Right himself is back. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. You were back with us episode 324, which was a couple years ago. Wow, 300, and you started from one? Started with one, of course. We're, at, we're, we're, we're in the 600s now, Peter. So this is going to be 600 and something. Holy mackerel. Good. Congratulations. <laughs> that, that is a, a testament to your dedication to your audience and your success. Good, great job. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate that. And I was just so fascinated because we talked about different sleep positions. And we're going to touch a little bit about that as well. But I understand that you operate by law. Uh, and I love that because you can't argue laws. You, there's universal laws, there's world laws, and you could disagree with them, but it's obvious that gravity, for example, it's a world law. You could say things like, I don't believe in gravity, but you could hold something up in front of that person and drop it and they could see right in front of them. So there's three primary laws that you operate when it comes to teaching your patients and clients health, especially as it relates to sleep position and sleep hygiene. 
What are those three laws? How did you discover them? And let's dive deep into them. Yeah, you know, you basically be telling me to start with an anchor, something that you can't deny, and then let's think about building a philosophy or a a framework on something that is that secure that it doesn't change, like the placebo. But so what ends up happening is our body adapts, right? There's adaptation to our body. So if you're not dead, your body doesn't adapt to stress. If you're alive, your body adapts to stress. And that is what we're doing every day. So for instance, if we go outside and it's cold outside, adaptation would be shivering. That's adapting to cold, your body tries to warm. If you eat food, it adapts by breaking that food down in digestion. So digesting. So a healthy person adapts to stress much better than an unhealthy person. So when we look at that, we want to look at how our body adapts because a lot of people were coming into my office just to give you a little history. At, the, at, at Right now, I've been a chiropractor for over 23 years and people come into my office day in, day out with the same problems, either hip problems, back problems, neck problems. And they're all so consistent and these problems are getting worse and worse and worse. And we're seeing them in much younger the population than ever before. So I started to, to look at my own health. And I had herniated a disc back, you know, about 10, 10 and a half, no, no, now 13 years ago. And said to myself, how does it come to this? I'm a chiropractor. I'm adjusting people. I'm adjusting people every single day, helping get them out of pain but they're still coming in with the same problems. So there has to be something that the body is adapting to. Because if, you, if you're not happy with your health or you're not happy with you know, how much pain you're in or discomfort you're in, you have to look at your lifestyle. You have to look at how you're living because you are a product of your daily rituals. So there are three laws that are at play that most people have problems with. And, and they have issues with it at night when they're sleeping. And this is number one, tissue adapts to the stresses applied. That's Davis's law. So for instance, if you put a weight in your hand and you start exercising with that weight, the tissue will adapt and remold and you will get a stronger bicep. It's adaptation. That is what happens. That is adapting to stress. The next one is bone will adapt to the stresses that are applied in the forces that are applied. So for instance, I have a straight arm. If I take this arm and I hold it bent, in five years, I will have a bent arm because the bone will adapt. If I lean, let's say I'm a 100-pound individual, and I put 70 pounds on one leg and only 30 pounds on the other leg, the leg with 70 pounds over a period of time will have more bone mass than the leg with 30 pounds. You will have osteopenia in one side. That's because the tissue adapts and the body is constantly adapting. And then my favorite law out of all of them, this is my favorite one. And this is a law that stems from birth and it translates all the way through your life. And this is the one that is controlling our posture. So think about this. Most people say, oh, I have a short leg length. I have a short leg. I have a, my hip is out of alignment. Oh, my, my torso's twisted. Oh, oh my, my core is weak. I got a weak core. There's one law that is managing all of that. And that is 
the writing reflex. And the writing reflex simply stated is body posture adjust to head position, which means the way that we hold our head, forward head posture, we hold it to the side, our body posture adapts to that. So there are three laws at play that we need to really dive into when we talk about maintaining a healthy structure, and that's Davis's law, tissue remolds, Wolf's law, bone remolds, and number three, the writing reflex, body posture adjusts to head position. Mm, I love the laws. Okay, let's talk about your favorite one, the writing reflex, the body adjusts to posture position. And now we have everybody on their cell phone, you know, and I'm guilty of it too, right, Peter? It's uh, we're looking down, we are losing that curve in the neck during the day, and then we're going to bed, and we're also achieving the wrong status with the wrong posture at, at nighttime. And you focused a lot on, okay, what can we do at night? Because that's going to be six, seven, eight hours, you're going to be in bed. What can we do while you're sleeping to adjust this body posture to find the perfect sleep position and get that curvature back? So how did you come to that discovery? I know you shared a little bit on the previous episode, but it's been a couple of years. How did you come to that discovery that this is what you want to focus on? You want to adjust the, the sleep posture. And if you're watching on YouTube, you're holding up a spinal cord right there. So right now I'm holding up a spine, right? This spine protects the central nervous system and it helps maintain structure. So you are supposed to have curves in your spine, specifically one in the neck, and then the, the same curve is in the lower back, and then the thoracic curve is opposite. It's called lordotic curve and kyphotic curve. So a normal individual will have a nice curve in their neck, and the weight of the head will be over the weight of the hips. So basically, if you can imagine, if you stand up straight, the weight of your head should be over the weight of your hips. So for instance, your weight of your head is the weight of a bowling ball. So picture taking a large bowling ball, holding it in your hands and holding it on your chest. Relatively, that bowling ball, the weight's gonna translate all the way down to the hips and it's not gonna take a lot of energy to hold that bowling ball because it's weighted equally. Now in retrospect, let's take that bowling ball and hold it out three, you know, two feet with extended arms. It's going to put a lot of effective weight on your shoulders and you are always going to have shoulder tension if you hold the further out that you hold that bowling ball. So when you lose the curve of our neck due to our poor sleeping positions, our head leans forward. So the weight, effective weight of your head is over your hips. Every inch that your head comes forward, it's an extra 20 pounds of effective weight on the back of your neck and in your, between your shoulder blades. Every inch it moves forward is equivalent to about 20 pounds of effective pressure and weight is what you said. Yes. Wow. And so the body is efficient. So it adapts by twisting the spine to bring the body back. So what happens is the neck comes forward and then the spine twists to bring the head back into position. So everybody that comes into my office with back pain or hip misalignments, it's due to compensation from forward head posture. How are you assessing that? Are you assessing that by x-ray and or um, looking at their body? Okay, yeah, so you're holding up an x-ray here. 
But let, let me ask you this, Peter. Can those x-rays change? And this is out of curiosity. Can those x-rays change depending on how they're standing during the x-ray? Like if they did it one day and they're in a certain position and the next day in a different position, can it change the results and what you're looking at? Yeah, so what, what the goal of the x-ray is, is to have a point on the wall. You look, you want somebody to naturally look at a specific point. So you want to say, hold your head and look straight ahead. So you can take the angle of where the eyes are, and then, let's say six months down the road after you know sleeping differently or getting adjusted or doing something to help improve your curve, give them the same instructions, stand straight, you can see what the angles of the, the eyes are, and then you'll see a better curve. So, you know, let's say somebody is naturally because they're working on their on their posture and they're doing specific things, their whole entire body structure is going to change based on that next x-ray. But yes, you're right. You can put somebody's head into extension and force a curve in there, but then you'll be able to see their eyes are looking up. So so it's a level of the eyes, and then you look at the spine in, in, in uh, contrast to that. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, so you're keeping the variables the same, and that's the way you're testing it. How often are should you test this? Let's say somebody starts working on their posture, and we'll talk about ways to do that. How often should we test with these x-rays doing it the same way? If you're in a program working on it, you take a three-month spot shot and then a six-month follow-up x-ray. If you see an improvement three months and six months, then you wouldn't take another one for a year just to make sure that everything is uh, moving in the right direction. You just want to see progress in the right direction because tissue remolds slowly in older individuals. In, but faster in younger individuals. So we just want to see improvement in the right direction and it will continue to improve over a period of time. Okay, that makes sense. So sleep position is very important because obviously we're spending a lot of time in bed. And if we could do something that will help get that curve back while we're unconscious, you know, why not do that? It's a great biohack, especially, you know, when you don't have to think about it. I know there's some studies that we spoke about in the last interview that show side position is the best. And they're referencing a lot of these mouse studies. I think it was a rat studies possibly. And you made the case that their spinal cord is very different than the human spinal cord, right? Yeah, absolutely. So let's just discuss. This is a law that we didn't talk about, but this is something that you can argue. Again, what controls everything in the human body? The nervous system. Oh, right? The, yeah. The brain through the nervous system. So then how important is it that your nervous system functions optimally from now and for the rest of your life. It's significantly important. So the structure of your spine directly affects the health and integrity of that nervous system. So when the spine is out of alignment or the spine is broken down due to poor biomechanics and sleeping position, you affect the way the nervous system functions. So the nervous system controls everything. And when we're looking at a variable like, oh yeah, 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 there's 5% more pressure on the heart when there's a 30% reduction in blood pressure at night when you're sleeping anyways, that's negligible. Like that in, in the heart, that stress isn't enough to cause any issues with the heart. And then when you look at glymphatic drainage, glymphatic drainage was looked at in a rat whose cervical spine is completely opposite ours. So when we look at the human frame and the human structure, we want to sleep in a position because remember, the one time you're in the, potentially the same position for eight hours, giving the tissue a chance to remold, heal, and rejuvenate is that night when you're sleeping. 
And if you're putting it in a contorted, twisted, torqued position, you're causing dysfunction to the structure and thus the nervous system. So you're causing health-related issues in almost every organ due to the position that you're sleeping in because of the way that the, the structure affects the function. That makes sense. So you're, you're making the case that side position is not optimal if we want to achieve this process of restoring that cervical curve. But actually, you recommend lying on your back uh, and you have developed a, a neck nest pillow that actually helps you restore that curve even faster. Talk about that, why you created it and why lying on your back is the optimal way to do it. Well, so we, we talk about, you know, the, that the average individual will toss and turn about 40 times a night. That's well, crazy. Why is that? Like, like, what's the reason for that? Like, so you're falling asleep in a position and then 20 minutes later, you're moving out of that position. Into what position? You're not in control of it. What's in control of it? Your brain, right? Your subconscious brain. And it's in control because of the one of the number one reasons you toss and turn is because the body is in pain. So what I tell people is I say, let's do the, the movie test. Try to watch a two-hour movie in the position you fall asleep in. And it's not possible because you're not starting with the end in mind. You're putting yourself in this contorted sideline position and it, it's not natural for the, for the spine. So when you're looking at like, how did we start out sleeping like this? And I go all the way back to my original story of sleep. I can still remember when I was six years old, I grew up in Malden, Massachusetts. And that was on a busy city street, cars going by. My room, my bed was up against a window, and that was on my front porch. And there was a bus stop right in front of my house. So the only thing I could think about was I thought somebody was going to smash through that glass and steal me and kidnap me. Like, that's what I'm thinking as, as a six years old. So I would curl up in a ball, and I put you know, stuffed animals all over me. And I was only able to fall asleep feeling protected. So when you're curled up in like an ostrich in a little ball and your head's in a little cocoon, you feel protected. So we were never taught to sleep correctly. We would just go to your room and fall asleep, go to your room and fall asleep. And most of us, it was a stressful time. So we fall asleep feeling protected, curled up in a ball. And then my stuffed animals were all on my floor. I remember sometimes I would land on the floor and, and then you just end up wherever you are and you're not in control. Now I can fall asleep because we created this whole kind of process around it. You could put a glass of water on my chest and I wake up and that glass of water will still be on my chest and I do not move all night long. I never wake up in pain and think about all of the structural healing that has occurred because my body has been in this nice restorative position all night long. That's impressive. I always remember you sharing that about the glass on your chest and it'll be there in the morning. I know when I look at my aura ring, which I know you love the aura ring as well, it gives you those white little um, shades when you wake up. And sometimes I feel like I've, I've woken up throughout the night a lot more than what I see on the aura ring. Do you, how accurate do you think that is on the aura ring? Is it picking up every single time I'm tossing and turning, or is it probably picking up the time where I'm tossing and turning but staying awake for a little bit longer and it's missing a few uh, times that I've woken up? Yeah, so there's restlessness and then there's awake time. 
So wake times typically fall in core temperature and heart rate. A lot of times you're getting that shallow awake sleep, not knowing it. The restlessness, sometimes that can be a little inaccurate because remember, it, it's thinking that your whole body's moving, right? So sometimes just your hands can move and that's, you know, pulling up a little restlessness type of scenario. But those, those awake times tend to be really accurate because the more awake times you have, you're going to notice the lower your heart rate variability is if you're an aura ring studio or if you're, you know, you really love to biohack, you, you, you kind of understand that heart rate variability. So what we want to do is we want to get a day where we're at, we're at our maximum performance, where we feel really strong, where we feel tight in the stomach, right, where, where you just know that you're, you're ready and you look at that heart rate variability reading and that's, that's your target. So yeah, at night when you have that light restlessness sleeping and you're tossing and turning a lot, you, you don't get that really deep, good restorative sleep. Got it. That makes sense. And we're going to definitely dive deep into HRV uh, in a minute. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part? This may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasha loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but wild pasture meats are better for you nutritionally and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and... $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best-tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, 
and you'll have some delicious, healthy tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. I know that there are three primary reasons why somebody tosses and turns throughout the night. You mentioned two. You're in pain, which is very common. It's the, the need for safety, which you mentioned as a kid. I sometimes do that as a cocoon too. My fiance makes fun of me, so I understand that. The third one is warm temperature. Uh, explain what happens there. Yeah, so we're being brought into the fitness gyms and we're doing the four-week uh, sleep challenges. And what is some of the things that are different a little bit in the, the fitness world is that people love to exercise, right? They're trying to either lose weight by increasing their aerobic activity or they're, they're trying to increase their metabolism. Well, when you increase your metabolism and let's say you work out or you exercise, that increased metabolism comes with an increased heart rate. An increased heart rate, increased metabolism is a higher temperature. So when we exercise late at night, our body temperature elevates. A byproduct of digestion, let's say we eat late at night, a byproduct is increased core temperature. Now, in order for you to get to sleep and to get into good deep sleep, we want to be in deep sleep within the first one-third of our sleep cycle. So by the time we go to bed, let's say we go to bed at 9.30, an hour later, is 10.30, we want to be in deep sleep. In order for us to get good deep sleep, our core temperature needs to drop. So if you're exercising late at night or you're eating late at night or you have alcohol and you're detoxing from that alcohol, these are all things, the byproduct of that is internal heat. So, and, and if you're using your covers incorrectly. So if you're doing something that is causing a byproduct of that is an increased core temperature, you're not going to get good deep sleep, and you have a window of time to get good deep sleep for maximum restorative sleep, and that is typically right around midnight because you have an internal energy spike, a natural energy spike. So you want to be in deep sleep by that energy spike. So you want to make sure when you get to sleep that your core temperature drops quickly. So for instance, last, last night, what was it? No, no, two nights ago was Tuesday night. What do I do on Tuesday night? I mountain bike heavily. I know on Tuesday night, uh, my aura ring's gonna be crashed on Wednesday morning because my, uh, my, my heart rate is so high and my metabolism is so high that my core temperature doesn't drop until like two in the morning and I lose it. So I wake up tired, I understand it, but I make it back up on Wednesday. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Same thing happens to me. Sundays are my uh, basketball, two hours in the sun here in Miami, fasted state. And every Sunday night when I wake up Monday morning, my resting heart rate is up, my HRV is down. But again, this is a stress that when we recover, we actually get stronger over time as long as you're recovering and adapting. I am curious, what is your average uh, resting heart rate overnight? What does the aura give you on average? About 47. 47, yeah. Mine's around that. Mine's around like 45, 46. For me, I know when I eat before bed, uh, my scores are awful. I wake up groggy. I don't tend to exercise before bed, but to your point, a lot of people who go to gyms, they'll take like an 8 p.m. class or a 9 p.m. class. I generally tell my students, if you're going to work out in the evening, because actually I looked at some studies as I was building out some, some lessons for my academy students, and I was looking at when's the best time to exercise. Uh, and it showed some really good research that we're, we have better grip strength, 
and strength overall, and even some endurance later on in the afternoon slash evening versus the morning. So I thought, hey, that would be a good time to do something like that, but give yourself about three hours to kind of cool down and go to bed. Would you say that's a good rule of thumb, three hours, or would you rec- recommend something longer or shorter? So unfortunately, every everybody's different, right? So I have to have my exercise done, you know, for it not to affect my sleep by four in the afternoon. So I have to really be a good five hours. And it all depends on the intensity. You can do a, um, like a muscle tone workout, right? So do the heavy weights and you can, you can get away doing that, you know, within three hours, but anything high aerobic, see, so high aerobic, typically they say your, you know, your, your metabolism stays elevated for two to three hours. My metabolism stays elevated longer than that. And then the issue is, is then when that happens, when your metabolism's high, you're depleting your um, carbohydrates. So when you go to sleep with depleted carbohydrates, you actually, believe it or not, can interfere with your sleep patterns. So normally I don't eat anything before bed, but there's nothing wrong, especially if you exercise, having a, a carbohydrate snack before bed because you, you think, oh, that, that'll keep me out of ketosis in the morning. It actually doesn't because the body is going to call for that and actually can cause a slumbered state to have a little bit of carbohydrate if you, if, if you need to, uh, you know, because I know a lot of us eat no eating window. You know, that eating window is a guide. So, you know, what I tell what I tell my patients is use it as a guide. And if there's a point where your your sugar levels drop and you don't want to go to sleep with with a body that's craving carbohydrates. Now, if you're keto adapted, right, and you didn't deplete the carbohydrates because your liver glycogen usually is going to be able to make that up then you're good. So there are different variables. Yeah, it makes sense. You got to just test it out. HRV is a good gauge for that. Before we, we shipped into HRV, with the sleep position, you develop the neck nest. And if you're watching on YouTube, you could see it right behind uh, Dr. Peter. Uh, he's going to demonstrate exactly how it works, how to use it. I know you say to start off, you know, with I think an hour and then build your way up. You could correct me if I'm wrong. I actually have one. And I have, I've had one for a couple of years now. It's made a big difference for my lower back issues. But talk about the neck nest and how to use it and explain it in a way for those who are listening on the podcast, they could still understand it too. Yeah. So when you look at sleep, let's look at the body, right? Let's do another law. Another law. It's not really, it's a well-accepted law. If you don't use it, you lose it right? Everybody knows that. So if you want to get rid of an elbow joint, you don't want the elbow anymore. Don't use it. Put your arm in a cast. It will degenerate. And within two years, you won't have a joint there anymore, right? If you don't use it, you lose it. So anytime you support the body, you put a sneaker on, you're going to lose the arch. The more support when you ask and you support the body, you make the body weaker with whatever you're supporting. So when you see these Pillow, cervical support, great cervical support. Oh, great head support, back support. You, what you're basically that saying is they don't understand biomechanics. They're just trying to tell you, oh, oh, we're going to make you more comfortable by supporting you, but we're going to destroy your structure while you stand. Would that be the same case with these knee support, elbow support, long-term use of knee support, elbow support, these these high uh, top shoes that that restrict your ankles and support them, but over time. If you don't use it, you lose it. it. Actually, makes you weaker in those areas. Yeah, you're gonna, and then it's also stress biomechanics. You're putting more stress on the knee and the hip because you're taking up. You know, everything's supposed. It's a, we're a closed biokinetic chain. Everything is supposed to 
work together. When you restrict something in the chain, you're asking something to work more. It's just like being at a, at, at a, in your workspace. When you end up getting rid of half of your workforce, everybody has to work harder. And that tends to stress the system, wear the system down, create more scar tissue, which then return causes more problems. So to get back, you don't want more support. It's not the more support you have, the better. So in, in contrast to that, we want to use distraction when we sleep. We don't want that weight of our head supported. We want to use the weight of our head almost like off the back of something. So, you know, you can, you can put something like something under the neck, put the weight of the head over it. So like a slinky, you're distracting the cervical spine, lightly stretching a curve back into the neck. You're reversing the damage of the weight of the head being forward, right? Because the weight of our head being forward, we have to use and engage the muscles to hold it up. If the weight of our head is back, we're stretching the tissue, reversing that effect. So that's what the neck nest does. It puts you in your neck in a position that is sustainable all night long and gently distracts the neck over eight hours. Well, one hour, we start one hour a night. And then the entire body will start to untwist due to that forward head posture that caused the body to twist to begin with. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you the positioning, that the, the correct positioning of the neck nest, because I have thousands of people using a neck nest. And inevitably, where I'm some, somewhere, they're like, oh, yeah, I've used it or I used it for a long time, but I just really can't get used to it. I'll ask them, show me how you're using it. And it is not the correct way because most people will take a neck nest, put it flat, which it's, it's great, and then they'll rest their head on the back, supporting their head. And yes, it's still going to be comfortable like that, but you're supporting the head too much and you're not getting the distraction that we want with the neck nest. So the neck nest is designed, believe it or not, to be put on its edge. So we put a neck nest on its edge, and then what we do is we take it and we put the whole thing under our neck so the weight of our head is just off of the back of the neck nest, and it's basically hanging there, lightly distracting the curve back into my neck. Mm, yeah, I made the same mistake when I first started using it. I did it the wrong way, too. <laughs> most, most people do. So <laughs> we're changing a lot of the, the pictures on the website because, yeah, whatever. So that is how you, you use it. And to your point, we were talking about this earlier. You asked me how my trip to Italy was. Well, one night, it was really hot in Italy. It was great. We had a great time. But we were I was out of a backpack, and I was going to an Airbnb. And we were walking around that day, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to bring my neck nest. I'm just going to deal with what I have when I get to the Airbnb. And I'm not going to lie to you. In Europe, they don't really, I don't think, put too much emphasis on the pillows, especially in this Airbnb. So I went in there. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. There's no way I'm going to be able to sleep like this. Was it like a really hard pillow or was the it issue? It was a hard pillow, really fluffy you know, like, like my, my, it would have destroyed me. So what I ended up doing is I created this like three, I have this like three pillow sleeping position. And then I rolled up a towel 
to do the same thing. So whether you use a neck nest or you use a soft, soft, soft pillow, you just get something under your neck so that the weight of your head is about an inch off of the bed. And then that that's good positioning. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Okay, I love that. And for those who are watching, you saw how Peter demonstrated how to use it. If you're listening and if you want to watch the demonstration, you could watch the interview. It's on the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Keto Camper. Your website also has a lot of illustrations and demonstrations. And Keto Campers, Peter hooked you all up with a special deal to get uh, the neck nest and some other goodies. So if you go to necknest.com slash Keto Camp, you can learn more about the product, the special And deal. I'll put a video there too on how Perfect. to use it. So based yeah. on what we just talked so we'll, about. So he'll put a video there. So we'll put a link for that down below. If you're watching on YouTube, it's down below. There's some nights where, you know, I go to bed at the same time usually every night unless I'm traveling. That's around 9.30. Uh, even though my fiance is more of a night owl and she wants to stay up later. I'm like, nope, 9.30, we're going to bed. Some nights I'll fall asleep about 10, 15 minutes and I'll get some really good sleep. Other nights... I tend to just lay there for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then I'll fall asleep. And, I'll, and I know that just by my experience, but then I'll look at my latency score and it'll verify that too. I can't pinpoint, you know, why that is on those nights. And it probably could be something I ate or something that changed throughout my day. But what have you seen in terms of the most common reasons why that latency tends to be increased and people don't fall asleep? Well, that, that's good. So I'm the same as you. 9.30, in bed, out, done, right? So... Just recently, we had a flood that ruined our entire warehouse at Necknest. We had a, a foot and a half of water. And think about that, right? So I have to shut off my brain and be able to get to sleep. That night, I did not, you know, I wasn't able to turn it off. Even though I was focused on the same things to put myself to sleep subconsciously, there was so, still something on my mind I had to figure out. And then I had woken up at four in the morning and consequently it was the same thing that was still on your mind. So when you don't clear something out in your brain, whether you think it's cleared out or you not think it's cleared out, if it's something that's still in your subconscious brain, you have to go through a sleep cycle sometimes to clear it out. So most of the time, I'm good. I can, I can let it go, think about it in the morning, write down my notes, figure out how I need to tackle it, let it go, and then the next day I wake up and then I can continue working on it. So when something's not figured out, one of the problems with our brain is subconsciously we're still trying to figure out while we're dreaming, right? It's not being able to let go of something that doesn't keep us out of there. And then also anything that keeps your heart rate up, and anything that keeps your body core temperature. You could have eaten something that you don't think is an issue, but your body's detoxifying it. Let's say peanuts. Peanuts has alpha toxin A or B, one of those alpha toxins. And a lot of people de have to detoxify from peanuts all night long. So it's something that produces heat, you know, and so there are different variables that keep people out of that deep. Yeah, that makes sense. It could have been a combination of both, maybe something in my unconscious that I didn't that I needed to solve, or maybe something that I ate that had oxalates or some plant toxin. So it's just interesting, but it's not the norm. It's 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 um, maybe happens once every two weeks or something like that. I was just curious to me. I, I was like looking at those stats and wondering what what did I do to cause this. So I know that um, heart rate variability is something that you study a lot. You teach your patients how to achieve a better adaptability with the nervous system. And I love to dive deep into heart rate variability and how 
it is one of the best markers to assess this amazing nervous system, those two branches, the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic. So let's start with that, how the nervous system works and what exactly is HRV? I thought we want, most people think you want that heart to beat every you know, second in a normal rhythm and why that's not what we want to do. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so like when you go for a run and you run around the lake, let's say, and you, and you, and you exercise, well, your body needs to depend on a very specific amount of sugar coming to the cells. So the heart beats very rhythmically. So you're right. In a 60-second heart rate, you know, one, one, you know, one beat every second, really rhythmic. It puts a significant stress on the heart because the stress is on the same portion of the heart over a given period of time. Now... Let's say you're then now going to go to sleep, and which is the opposite of exercise. So exercise is sympathetic dominant, and sleep is parasympathetic dominant. Well, now the heart will not beat very consistently. It will be, instead of, let's say in 60 beat, like every second, you might have a bump, 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 bump. It might be 0.5 seconds. And then a second point, you know, 1.1 seconds, then 0.75 seconds. So it rhythmically beats, which spreads the stress over the heart, but you're more adaptable for whatever comes. And then the body would become rhythmic. So when you are running a, in a parasympathetic state, there are specific organs that are within focus that are taking the major amount of emphasis. And those are your thrive systems, your hormone, hormonal system, your digestive system, and your immune system. So it's not a coincidence when somebody has an issue with digestion, they also have hormonal imbalances. Or when they were really, really, really sick with, let's say, COVID, or they get really chronic infections, they also have digestion issues. Because you can't affect one of those systems without affecting the other. So the parasympathetic, in order to have good, healthy system, you need to be able to have a healthy, thrive system. In order to be able to be very adaptable, work, for, work well under stress and run from a tiger, you need to have a good survive system. So the way the body recharges and plugs back in at night is thrive. When your body's using all the apps, let's picture our body as a cell phone. Picture during the day, unplugged, using all your apps. You got your ways going. You know you have a, you know you're calling people. You got your music playing. You're using a lot of performance out of that phone to keep it ready. But if you don't plug it in at night, parasympathetically to thrive it or to recharge it, over a period of time you're going to have this imbalance where your phone can just die. You don't. You internalize it with chronic disease, and and chronic disease is an adaptation of that imbalance. That's a great analogy. I've never heard it put with thrive versus survive, survive systems. That makes a lot of sense to me. And they're both very important systems and very important branches that we want to tap into back and forth, but we don't want to be locked into either one of them too, too much. And most people are in a sympathetic survival state. And can I, I'm going to add to that one for one second. 80% of all of your thrive systems, which are your parasympathetic systems, come from your vagus nerve. And when you lose the cervical curve in your neck, you constrict a sheath or, or this little opening. 
and there are three nerves in that opening. There's the glossopharyngeal, so people get things that are caught in their throat or they always have to clear their throat. Spinal accessory, tightness in the traps. And the third is the vagus nerve. So due to poor sleeping position, when you have that forward head posture, you're constricting the vagus nerve and you're getting parasympathetic inhibition. So a lot of times people work and they meditate and they just say, I still have adrenal glands that are stressed. I just can't help my adrenals. A lot of times it's not because you're sympathetic dominant because of your state, it's because you're parasympathetic inhibited due to the structure. And that's what nobody is talking about. Yeah, that is interesting. So it's not necessarily with these individuals that they're locked into sympathetic is that they don't have the ability to really tap into the parasympathetic. And that is a result of primarily them losing that curvature in their neck and restoring that back will help all these processes. If you watch any of my videos on social media, you always see me with glasses on. And I always get the question, hey, why are you wearing those glasses? These are called blue light blocking glasses, and I wear them to protect my brain and my focus. You see, we are bombarded with stimulation, especially with junk light from your computer screen, your phone, fluorescent lights, and the brain has to filter that out. These glasses, what they do is they filter out those lights for you so your brain does not have to do the work. I equate this to having a web browser open with 100 tabs if you had 100 tabs open on your computer, that computer is going to run slow. But if you were able to eliminate 99 of those 100 tabs and now you just have one tab open, that computer will function better. This is the same thing with your brain. So there's different types of blue light blocking glasses. There are computer glasses that you would wear during the day when working with screens and under artificial light. There are light sensitivity glasses that you would also wear during the day with screens and artificial light. And then you have the blue light blocking glasses, which I wear at night, two to three hours before I go to bed, which promotes hormone health, helps your body produce melatonin, and aids in better sleep. My go-to is from Bon Charge. They have the science to back it up. They look super cool. The glasses come in non-prescription, prescription, and reading options. Glasses for every need. Bon Charge also has other amazing products such as low blue light bulbs, red light therapy devices, EMF slash 5G protection, and 100% blackout sleep mask that I take with me when I travel all the time. The greatest thing about them, all backed up by science. They gave Keto Camp Podcast listeners a 15% off coupon code. All you need to do is head over to bondcharge.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout, no space in between, to get 15% off your entire order. We'll drop that link down below along with the coupon code. Go check them out and let's get back to this episode. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. I know that heart rate variability, the goal is to increase it. And everybody has a different average, a different baseline. I know genetics play a role there. There's different factors. So how would you recommend, I know we use the Aura Ring. I know there's other devices out there. I'm just going to share with you what I teach my students and you could give me coaching on, you know, it's good or bad or whatever you want to add to it. I tell my students to get an Aura Ring or a Whoop Band, or there's a device called Hanu Health that tracks heart rate, but get a device, use the same device to track Let's get seven days of an average, get your baseline. Now that we have your baseline, let's do some different things to work on building it up over time. 
Like for example, when I first got the Aura Ring five or six years ago, my average HRV was around 35-ish. Now, after I've done a lot of things, including the neck nest, it's around 65-ish, right? So I'm trending in the right direction. So is that a good way to do it or do you have a different approach for your patients? No, I, I, I love it. So whatever you're using, right? It doesn't matter whether it's Aura, if it's Whoop, if it's the Pulse, Polar, they have a heart rate variability. It's be consistent with it, right? And don't compare yourself to somebody else. Yeah, right? that's important. Yeah, like that is so important because everybody, like you know, you know, let's say you get a sixty-five. You know, I'm I'm fifty-three. Can I get a sixty-five? Yeah, but is my heart rate variability always at sixty-five? No, uh, my goal is fifty-two, right? Because as you age, things change and, and and stuff like that. But what you have to do, and the higher doesn't necessarily mean the healthier. It's just how your state is what it needs so you monitor it regularly just not making any changes and you do a two-week average and then you just find out where your average is then what you do is you then start journaling when you feel your best i use a lot with weight not that people need to focus on their weight but a fluctuation of one or two pounds in the morning that's swelling or not swelling a lot of times so it's not necessarily you're gaining fat. When you retain fluid, you're going to have lower heart rate variability readings. So use weight, use how much energy you have, use heart rate variability, and use all those together. And then how are you feeling? And then picture a day when you're at your best because you can quantify that. Like, what is it? My, my strength is better in the gym. And then know what your HRVs are to need to attain to be able to get there. And then do the studies on your own, be your own doctor, because you know your body better than anybody else. You might not have the confidence in knowing the numbers, but you know when you feel good and then look at what that number is and then try to achieve that feeling, you know, try to achieve that number that you know that you can get. I love that advice because it is one thing to use a device that gives you a score and some data, but it's also important to pay attention to your body. You don't want a, a ring to determine how you feel. You want to use all the data and then also tap into your intuition and pay attention. And journaling is a good way to do that. So I love that you combine both. Uh, it's a great idea. What are some of the biggest needle movers when it comes to HRV that you've seen for yourself and your patients? Uh, biggest needle mover first, core temperature, dropping your core temperature quickly. A lot of times you'll notice that you'll have higher HRV readings two days after the exercise. So, so like you said, when you play basketball, yes, that night's going to be a little tanked, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't play basketball. Your adaptation the following night's going to be a much better reaction because of adaptation. So that's another thing. And then, and then obviously decreasing the food, stay away from caffeine, don't have any stimulants you know, after new, I mean, I, I don't have any stimulants after 7 a.m. Well, no. So I wake up at 6.30 after 7.30, after 8 a.m. I don't have any, I have maybe a cup of coffee or half a cup of coffee uh, in the morning sometimes. And then um, pressure. So HRV is improved when you have a greater parasympathetic tone, when you have greater parasympathetic tone. What we found is using a neck nest, improving the curve in your neck, just changing your structure will improve HRV, like you just said, Ben. And then second, which was really interesting to me because I never, ever, ever expected it, I started using a sleep mask. 
And remember when I, we started at the beginning, when I was six years old, all I wanted to do is feel protected. So just like the ostrich that sticks its head in the ground, I would just use a pillow and place it over my eyes. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing enough. I'm doing enough. It wasn't until I used a sleep mask and put direct pressure against my eyes, stimulating my parasympathetic nervous system, which improved my HRV by 30%, which was crazy. Now, that's not a study that's out there. I look for it, but that is what I'm assuming is happening, is that the direct pressure on your eyes is creating, uh, and, I, and I tried this with, you know, our good friend Ben Greenfield. I, I sent him, I'm like, Ben, put pressure on your eyes and tell me what it does with JHRV. Increases his HRV. So it, I did it with Mercola, you know, and when you use pressure against your eyes, for some reason, it's improving HRV readings. Yeah, well, the reason is because that feeling of safety that you mentioned that we tend to want to achieve for you was like all the pillows, same thing. I'm going to do it too. I, I'm not using a sleep mask. So I'm going to test it out now for myself. And I'll give you some feedback on what it does. Because I, I look at my HRV every single day. That'll be the only variable that I'll change. And I'll let you know what happens for me. You, you made a good point though, with sometimes we'll see that HRV drop from basketball, from a certain stress doesn't mean it's a bad thing. When the body adapts, then in two days or so, you'll see a higher increase in that HRV. And that's actually what you want, that adaptability to help you become more resilient. For me, every time I travel to uh, Utah, where I've seen you several times, I'm going to see you in a few months at Dr. Pompa's event, Live It to Lead It. But whenever I travel to Elevation, I'm here in Miami. We're below sea level. Whenever I go to Vegas or Colorado or Utah, my HRV during that trip suffers. My resting heart rate increases. I feel palpitations at night. I come back to Miami and I get this huge increase in HRV that whole week and a lowering resting heart rate. And all my numbers are like transformed from the stress. So to your point, it's not necessarily a bad thing short term. No, because it, it's all about adaptability, right? So, you know, nobody's going to have perfect sleep every night. I went to Italy and I couldn't sleep on the plane too much. My HRV was four. Zero's dead. Damn. Right? So, so <laughs> my HRV was four. I've never got that. Now, how do you think you feel the next day? Yeah, like pure crap. You four? Yeah, you were you're, sluggish. I'm four points away from death. Right? And guess what? My body adapted. And what takes a beating when your HRV is four? What three systems? The the hormones, digestion, and immune system. So what do you think my body responds? Do you think somebody on the plane got me sick? Or do you think my body got sick? My body was so weakened, it gave me an immune system response. We all think we get sick. It's adaptation to bring your health back. So don't think about somebody coughing on you and that, that person got you sick. That's not what happens. Don't blame your neighbor for getting you sick. You're sick and everybody is going to be sick after the time change in September. Everybody will be. And they're going to blame it on kids going back to school. These snotty little rascals gave me my snots and, and all this other crap that I hear about. Oh, flu season. It's all about the stress on your own system. So for me to come back from a four and then the next night get a 15 and, you know, and, and have that 
low HRV, my digestive system's taken, my immune system's taken, and my hormones, I, I was swollen. This watch that I, I bought wasn't, didn't, couldn't even fit my wrist. And the ring was probably tight on your fingers. I, I, I took it, I couldn't yeah, wear it. Yeah. So I went home, I got sick for five days, like a normal individual should. Now I'm, I'm my HRV shot through the roof. <laughs> because, oh, sorry, there we go. Because it's adaptation. So just because you tank things, and if you bring it back the next night, never going to be an issue. But if you have tanked HRV over a long period of time, that that that's going to be an issue. Yeah, uh, interesting. Wow, four. And we changed the clocks not in Wait. September. I don't think not until November. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. I, November. I'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but we start to lose light quickest in September. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. I think there's some... But and then everybody stays up past the same time. It's 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 a mess. We should do something on that. Yeah, we should we should. Um, let's finish the conversation with the glymphatic system, which you actually mentioned earlier. But I want to talk a little bit more about that. First of all, what is the glymphatic system? What's happening with the brain during this system? And then which sleep cycle activates this uh, glymphatic system the most? It's very simple. The brain and cells. It's not just the brain. It's every cell in the body has this this system that flushes around it to get rid of toxins and to you know bring nutrients and and flush toxins out of the system and that happens through our glymphatic system so this is a flow of fluid based around these cells so it, it, so there's something at night called pre-stress which means you wake up in the morning taller than any other part of the day because all of your joints swell your joints don't have blood supply. What do they have? They swell with fluid. That fluid comes into the joint, flushes the joint, gives nutrients to the joint. And then when you stand up, that pre-stress causes, and uh, well, they say, I don't think 200%, but they, that, was, that was a study. 200, you're 200% more likely to injure yourself in the morning within the first hour of when you wake up than any other part of the day. That's because everything's swollen because of that lymphatic flow. So there's a study that was stated that climatic flow improves better on your side, and that was done based on rats. And yes, technically, if you sleep on your side, there's a vein that drains easier on the side. But more importantly, climatic drainage and that flow works the best when your structure in your spine is aligned and when you walk the spine works as a spring and with vibration and movement, that's ultimately what gets everything flushed out. So you don't have to be really worried about it at night. You need to be more worried about the structure during the day because that has a much greater effect on the flow during the whole day. So that is kind of my, my argument is glymphatic drainage happens at night with everybody. And there's never been a study stating that on your side, it happens better in humans. It's only been done in rats and the structure of a rat is completely different. So that is my argument against that study is it's not applicable to a human spine because they're only looking at the cells and not looking at the uh, the whole picture. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. That's fascinating. All right, Peter, our last question is about gratitude, vitamin G. What are you grateful for today, my friend? Well, I'm grateful for the gift of knowledge that have been given by God. And, uh, you know, it really, ultimately, I feel like I'm in my zone. When you're on purpose, and you 
feels like you've been you've figured something out and you're so passionate about it and you want to tell the world I'm grateful for people like you to be able to give me the platform to be able to share this with as many people as possible because then I'm sure that you get you know hundreds of people that want to be on your podcast you know all the time and this is my second time being on there and I'm just so grateful for you to be able to give me the space and I and we know each other personally and you know just for all of your listeners you are a product of uh, uh, you know you're very transparent what you say is what you believe and that's how you live I see it with you you know through everything and you can only be like that because you live in gratitude and you're on purpose and I'm just very grateful to be aligned with somebody like you so I appreciate it I appreciate that, Peter. I'm very grateful to know you. You're brilliant the way you teach. It's fun. And I'm grateful that uh, Dr. Pompa connected us and uh, we're going to have some more good times ahead. Peter, where is the best place to check you out? Well, the website to get your neck nest and that special deal is necknest.com slash keto camp. But where else can the listeners go? They can find me on uh, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Dr. Sleepright. We'll put that in the notes down below. Peter, thank you, brother. I appreciate you and I'll see you soon in uh, Utah. Thanks, buddy. I look forward to it. Well, I hope you enjoyed Peter. He is so much fun. I love that guy. He will be emceeing Dr. Pampa's event in October. Live it to lead it. I'm going to be speaking and attending. You might want to go. Salt Lake City. It's going to be incredible. His neck nest is available for keto campers at a discount with a special deal. If you go to necknest.com slash ketocamp or click the link down below in the podcast notes, you can get that special deal, start using it, restore that cervical curve, and watch how it changes your life. You could follow him on his social media and his website. We'll drop that down below as well. If you want to watch the video version of today's interview and see how he used the neck nest, it was a great visual. We did a video interview and that could be found on youtube.com slash ketocamp. Please share this with a friend. Consider leaving the show a rating and review. Check out the notes down below. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.